0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the first chapter of Luke, verses 39 through 45, and this is the meeting of of Mary and Elizabeth. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Praise the Lord.
1: So we join Mary here in Luke chapter 1. And I want to, I in your mind, before we get into this, I want, I want you to realize in your mind that, you know, in Christmas time we often tell the whole story uh, and we we put matthew and luke 's stories together, and we kind of make them all fit. but uh, you know Luke wrote a particular birth narrative, and Matthew wrote a particular birth narrative and they they 're very different in the things they have to say and uh, I would invite you actually to look at the the two separately and see how different they both are and and what you get out of that is that Luke is trying to tell a story in a very particular way and Matthew is trying to tell the story in a very particular way and trying to convey certain things. And this morning I point that out because we meet Mary here in verse 39 of the very first chapter of of Luke. And what has transpired before this, the first 38 verses, is first of all, The angel Gabriel comes to Elizabeth first and says, you're going to have a baby. Gabriel's busy announcing good news around everybody, right? (laughs) Watch out when Gabriel shows up because, you know, you may have some things to deal with. So uh, Elizabeth, who's quite elderly and was not expecting a child uh, because she had been told by all the doctors that it wasn't going to happen. But Gabriel told her otherwise, and then there's a whole business with Zechariah, the dad, that gets involved that uh, uh, we won't get into. But uh, So that's the first few few verses. And then Gabriel shuffles over to Nazareth and visits Mary and delivers the good news to Mary. Mary, you are with child. And Mary says, (laughs) what? How is that? Possible. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm a virgin, and <laughs> maybe you got the wrong person. But Gabriel says, "Nope, uh, you have been chosen among all women to bear the Lord, to bear the Messiah." And she kind of says, "Okay, I guess I—I I guess I'll deal with that." <laughs> and the angel leaves. And this is where we pick it up now. She doesn't in Luke. She doesn't go to Joseph. She doesn't go to her parents as far as we know. It says in those days Mary set out and went with haste to the Judean town in the hill country. She ran to her favorite aunt. You know what? We all have that favorite aunt that we go to when we've really messed up bad, right? And if you're like me, you go to the aunt first, right? Before you go to mom and dad, before you go to anyone else, you go, I'm going to go talk to Aunt Elizabeth. I'm going to see what she has to say about all this, because I'm freaking out, right? I can imagine. you got to put yourself in Mary's place. She's probably freaking out quite a bit. So she makes haste to this Judean town. Now making haste in the first century is not like, uh, like we do these days. Making haste for Mary was she walked for 12 days until she got to this little town that traditionally is Elizabeth's hometown about four miles north of Bethlehem. So she walks for 12 days and that whole time she's wondering how am I going to tell Elizabeth what's going on? How am I going to tell her? Because she's, uh, you know, the Gabriel told her says Elizabeth is with child as well, and she thought, well, you know, maybe she'll listen to me because she's had kind of a miraculous thing going on too. Maybe she'll hear this. But she had twelve days to kind of dwell on, what is Elizabeth going to do? What are my parents going to do? Lord, help me. What is Joseph going to do? The other thing you'll notice in Luke is Joseph doesn't really come into it much. As opposed to Matthew where he has all this, he gets visited by an angel. In Luke, he's kind of just on the side, probably dumbfounded and not really sure what to do. But. So Mary is trying to, to figure all this out, trying to live with that for 12 days as she walks in there. And she gets to that last moment when she comes to the door and she's thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? How am I going to say this? Give me the words, Lord. And Elizabeth opens up the door and says, ah, You're having a baby. <laughs> and says this incredible thing that has been a part of Catholicism for centuries Hail Mary, full of grace. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your wombs. This is a great thing, Mary. And I'm sure Mary was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank God. Thank you, Elizabeth. (laughs) Because Elizabeth was rejoicing. She says, I knew you were coming. The baby inside of me leapt with joy when we heard you coming up the steps. Mary, don't worry. This is going to be a good thing. And Elizabeth says to Mary, calls Mary blessed three times in just that one exchange. Oh, Blessed are you, Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your wombs, and you have blessed the world with this great news. And who am I that the the mother of my Lord, calls Jesus her Lord, should come to me? Elizabeth's feeling blessed that Mary would choose to come and reveal this to her first. What an incredible gift! Elizabeth gave to Mary that day. What an incredible thing to be able to contextualize for Mary the incredible news, the incredible rejoicing that she can And fi- it, you can almost you can almost feel Mary's relief. Oh, you know what Elizabeth, I think you're right. I think it's going to be okay. Because it's you, you can feel Mary's relief because up until that time, you get this tension in the text. She says, okay, she says, you know what, I'm, uh, whatever God wants, I'm willing to do. And then she walks for 12 days and she comes to Elizabeth. Elizabeth rejoices and only then, only then does Mary find it within herself to sing her song, what we traditionally call the Magnificat. And she, it's Mary's song of rejoicing. Mary's song of praise. And it says this, right after Elizabeth talks to her, she says this, My soul, this is Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for He has looked with favor on the lowliness of His servant. Surely from now on, in remembrance of His mercy according to the promise He made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Only on the heels of Elizabeth's blessing did Mary find within her soul this incredible, far-reaching, prophetic song to sing of this pending birth What an incredible gift that had to be for young Mary. And then she stayed with her for three months. Stayed for the time when John was born. And got to get all that advice you get when you're pregnant for the first time. Oh yes, your feet are going to swell up. It's going to be awful and you got to pee 20 times a minute and <laughs> you know they get to share those secrets, right? Those things that happen and and all those things. And then Mary got to see the birth of John. And then she went home and was had the strength and the courage and the ability to rejoice with her family. I got news, she probably didn't have by by this time. She probably didn't have to say much. Right? Uh, I got news. (laughs) And hear me out because it's good news, I promise. Right? And, uh, you know, because she didn't get stoned to death, which was what what could have happened had her family not believed her story, we assume that they rejoiced along with her. And Joseph took her as his wife. And they raised Jesus. What an incredible thing. And I, what I'm here to say, I know, I know we did a lot of churching before I got up here to preach and we've only got a few minutes, but I, I, here's, what I've, here's what I've got to say today. We, the church, we, First Baptist Church, we, followers of Christ, we are Elizabeth. That is our calling. That is who we are to this hurt and broken world out there. We are Elizabeth. At our very best, what we as the church can be is a place to turn when the world no longer makes sense, when the news that's coming sounds like bad news, but we keep being told it's good news. We can be the place to turn to when something that feels like a curse can be turned into a blessing. We can uphold those in need and help them get their footing. We are Elizabeth who can free people up to sing their song. We can be the source of comfort, the source of nurture, the source of caring and compassion to a world deeply in need of caring and compassion. Amen? We, like Elizabeth, can enable people to sing their song of praise and magnify the Lord. That's what we're called to do. We are the source of that release, of that ability. God has entrusted us through Jesus Christ with this incredible calling to be Elizabeth. To be the bearer of blessing. To bless those whom we come in contact with. To help them see how blessed they are by God. Mary couldn't see it until Elizabeth said it. Hail Mary, look at you! you are blessed three times she said it you are blessed and that's our job we get to go around telling people you're blessed I know the rest of the world says you're ugly but you're beautiful I know the rest of the world says you're sinful but you're not that bad I've seen worse the rest of the world says you don't belong we say you do belong you are blessed to be here amen amen that is our job to be Elizabeth to rejoice with and for people who need some rejoicing in their life. How can we be Elizabeth? That's the question. How can we be this for a hurt and a broken world? First of all, we can be a safe place for people to explore what it means to be blessed by God. What it means to be a, to even have the idea of who God is or what God is or... Or how Jesus can be a part of that. I got I'm going to let you in on a little secret, and people are going to be embarrassed that I said this. but this place is full of people who aren't even sure if they believe in God. Did you know that? This place is chuck full of folks who are exploring that, going, "I don't e-, they tell me, they're like, "I don't even know if I believe in all this crap." <laughs> but the music's good. right they say things like that but they're here because it's safe to explore and i pray that we nurture this calling of being a a safe comfortable place for people to explore for people to go ahead and tell us their crazy ideas about what they think about god and we'll go okay that's interesting jesus i think jesus is a buddhist okay Knock yourself out. <laughs> we'll help you explore that a little bit, right? We'll help you explore that. Well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, it's a, we, I pray that it's a safe place for all of your kooky ideas to get worked out. We need to be a safe, because there's a lot of places that aren't safe out there, aren't there? There are a lot of places that will knock you down when you have crazy ideas, or they'll tell you what you need to believe and uh, you know I get tempted to do that once in a while but we don't really do that much we explore it together we explore it together and you know don't get me wrong we use the we use Jesus as our lens for making sense of the world it is through Christ that we make sense of the world and that's what when you come to first Baptist Church you're gonna get a lot of Jesus right you're gonna hear what Jesus has to say about who God is and how God works in the world and granted you're getting our perspective on it but you know we're gonna try and make sense of the world through that lens. and this is a safe place to explore that that's our calling is to be that safe place the next thing is is to is is to explore discipleship and that's kinda what I'm talking about that is how do we how do we align our life To this idea that Jesus has heralded in the kingdom of God that is different than the world we live in. And the best thing we can do as a a church is to help people kind of explore that and and latch onto that and and learn how to hear the voice of Christ call and to learn and to explore practices that draw us into a close and meaningful relationship with God and a close and meaningful relationship with each other. That's what discipleship is. It's about learning how to be a follower of Christ. Learning how to let my life be transformed by God's blessed Spirit. And to be pointed and guided and, and, and drawn into a new creation. A transformation. And that full and abundant life that Jesus Christ talks about all the time. The third thing is that what we can do as a, as a church to be Elizabeth to the rest of the world is to love. That was the candle we lit today. It's about love. And the, the problem is we throw this word around all the time. I'm talking about to love as God loves. That is to, to take that light and let it shine on the faces of God. Of the people around us and to recognize that God doesn't see what we see. God sees something deep inside and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And it should be lifted up and acknowledged as blessing. It's our job to say, you know what? To, to, to share that love that only God can foster. To love those who struggle to love themselves. And to love those that other people struggle to love, quite frankly and to figure out how to do it and to wrestle with it. I know it would be nice if we could just love like the easy people, right? There's some uh, some of you are real easy to love. Some of you are not so easy to love, right? You know that. Can I tell the truth? You know that. <laughs> but I'm sorry, we don't get to pick and choose. We got to love as God loves, and God loves everybody. It's hard for us to understand this, but God loves everybody. And God weeps when we make unhealthy choices. And God weeps when we do things that harm other people. But God loves the victim and the victimizer. And it's hard for us to grasp that. That's why we need each other as we go about doing this. Amen? And yet, that is our calling. Elizabeth could have been that aunt that says, oh, I knew it. I knew it. Your mother. <laughs> I wish she to her I wish she'd have raised me, you know raised you like I told her to, but no, she could have been that aunt. but she wasn't. She was the aunt that said, "You need to look at this Elizabeth or you need to look at this Mary through the eyes of God and see what God is doing in your midst and join him in that. You need to rejoice because you are blessed. ooh, that's our job. What a great job. What a great job to have. We don't get to point and waggle our fingers. We get to rejoice and share the love of God in a world that desperately needs it. It's my prayer that as we contemplate Christ's birth, as we recognize the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that it represents, That we will embrace this calling as a people, as individuals, as a church. And we will live it out with our every footstep and not let opportunities go by, but take up every opportunity we have to say, Hail! Blessed are You! And blessed are the the things that are going on inside of You. God is at work. Let us rejoice. And be glad in it. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, oh, how incredible Elizabeth was for Mary. Help us, the church, be that for the pain and the suffering in the world around us. May we be the ones bringing blessing into the world. We ask all of this in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.